What's up, y'all? Welcome to episode 15 of Have a Blessed Gay, your weekly spiritual comedy podcast. I am your holy host, Tyler Martin. I like long strolls on the beach. My favorite color is currently pink. I enjoy showers so hot that when I get out, I have a fever and regret taking that hot of a shower. I'm a horny slut for sugar cookies. My dream car is a Jeep Wrangler. Ideally, it would be pink. And I love Route 44 Cherry Dr. Peppers with extra cherry and easy ice from Sonic, America's Drive-In. Thank you to the new subscribers out there. We'll call you subs for short. And a special shout out to anyone who has left a review. It greatly helps the podcast. So I really can't say how much I appreciate you taking the time to write something and taking the time to share the podcast with your family, your friends, your coworkers on social media, spreading that love and positivity to those who need it. And when you do share on social media, make sure you tag at Have a Blessed Gay and keep sharing where you're at with your spiritual journey. Speaking of journeys, and no, not the skater store that was in malls, are malls still a thing at all? I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about my own spiritual journey. Y'all, I am so fucking proud of myself because I have meditated every single day for at least five minutes for almost two weeks. Two weeks. Now, for those who had to take remedial math twice, two weeks, that's 12 whole days. Wait, no, seven plus seven. Okay, that's 14 whole days. Now, I know, Elizabeth Grace, that might not seem impressive to you, but for me, that's huge. I think the longest I've gone before that consecutively was probably like four days. Maybe. I'm just a person who hates sitting still. And I think the main reason for that, I hate feeling lazy or unproductive. But the ironic thing is that meditation is not just sitting. It is a mindful practice that is immensely beneficial. And having a clearer head allows me to be even more productive and in tune with myself. And come on. It's only five minutes of my 24 hours. Although, eventually, I hope to get up to 10 minutes. I know, I am setting some pretty steep goals for myself. I don't want to intimidate anyone with my spiritual badassery, but I would love to hear if you meditate. Is it every day? How long is it? What's the girth? Wait, no, that's for something else. Anyway, let me know if you meditate and how that is going for you. And I will definitely keep you updated on my meditation journey. I am so pumped for today's guest, Jade Sylvan. Called a risque queer icon by the Boston Globe, Jade is a non-binary, gender-fluid author, poet, performer, and producer. They have written pieces for The Washington Post, BuzzFeed, The Toast, Pink Magazine, and many other publications surrounding polyamory, queer identity, and LGBTQ plus issues. Jade just graduated with her Master of Divinity degree, whoop whoop, from Harvard Divinity School, where they wrote their second musical called 
Beloved King, a queer biblical interpretation of the story of King David. Y'all, this is like my fucking jam. A person after my own heart. If I dare find out that Jay drives a pink Jeep Wrangler, y'all, I'm in trouble. There are a ton of amazing topics we get into, like looking at the Hebrew and Christian Bible as forms of fan fiction, the very, very, very gay story of David and Jonathan, and the concept of God having favorites. Like me, for example. (laughs) I'm obviously a favorite, right? Okay, fine. I'm more like a teacher's pet. I mean, I did create a spiritual comedy podcast. I'm basically just like, am I pleasing to you now, Lord? Do you, do you love me? I can also sing, Lord, my Lord. Teacher's pet. I want to be teacher's pet. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Without any further ado, here is Jade Sylvan, everyone. <laughs> This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, the leading provider of online counseling. Y'all, the world is crazy and mental health is important. Some might even call it spiritual. I personally use BetterHelp myself and absolutely love what they're doing. BetterHelp makes professional counseling accessible, affordable, and convenient. So if you're struggling emotionally, battling anxiety, or you can't stop crying after an episode of Queer Eye, BetterHelp can be there for you anytime, anywhere. Go to my personal link at BetterHelp help.com slash bless gay to check it out and get what 10% off the best part is you don't even have to leave your house they offer four ways to speak with a licensed counselor video calls phone calls real-time chat and direct messaging all counselors have been qualified and certified by their state's professional board In other words, you're not talking to a lobster dressed in human clothes. They're legit. All you gotta do is go to my link at betterhelp.com slash blessed gay and begin the questionnaire to match you with a therapist who is uniquely qualified to serve your needs. How sexy. It's super duper easy and you're matched within 24 hours or less. BetterHelp has a monthly subscription rather than paying per session, which makes it cheaper. But if finances are still a concern, financial aid is available for those who qualify. Get counseling, improve your life, and help this podcast out in the process by going to betterhelp.com slash gay. Sign up today and get 10% off. That's betterhelp.com slash gay. Jade Sylvan, welcome to Have a Blessed Gay. Thank you so much for having me. I am very excited to be here. I am excited that you are here and I just want to get into it. Tell us who you are and what the hell you do. I am a candidate for ordination in the Unitarian Universalist Church, and I just graduated from Harvard Divinity School with my Master of Divinity this past May. Uh, This next year, uh, coming up starting in September, I'm going to be doing my first ministerial internship at First Parish in Concord, uh, in Concord, Massachusetts. I'm very excited to be working there, probably virtually for most of the year, for this coming year. Uh, Also, my thesis project for Harvard Divinity School was a musical called Beloved King. It is a full-length musical that explores the relationship of young King David in the Bible with Jonathan and King Saul from a queer perspective. 
we love queer perspectives. Uh, <laughs> I thought you might. Yeah, yeah probably. Um, I I think it's so great um, that you graduated, but I'm sure <laughs> that it was weird during this time. How has it felt? How has it been to have graduated during COVID? It's definitely weird. I mean, March, right in the middle, actually right before we were supposed to do the first workshop of the show, Beloved King, everything shut down. You know, they sent all the undergrads home. All of our classes went online overnight. Uh, it was really bizarre. And, you know, everybody went through something akin to this, I think, uh, this year. But then for our graduation, you know, we expected to have all these parties and this big celebration. But instead, they essentially uploaded a YouTube video for us, <laughs> uh, like at the same time. And we were all supposed to watch it together. Um, and it was just really weird and anticlimactic. And so I don't feel like I got this sense of closure that I thought I would, but I'm hoping I'll be able to eventually feel like I've graduated someday. Well, you can slap that on a resume and print it out. Exactly. Yeah. So whether you'll take it anywhere right now. Is I irrelevant. mean, my diploma got lost in the mail, but whatever. Nobody asked to see that ever. Right. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so here you are, you did graduate. You are here this queer being who created a queer biblical musical while attending the ever so queer Harvard <laughs> Divinity School. Yes. But you have not always been involved in religion or even the traditional concept of spirituality. So I just want you to take us back in time. And yeah. I want to know, were you raised in a religious or spiritual household? This is interesting. I, I've been really ruminating about this a lot lately. I was not. I, my my parents were nominally Catholic, and uh, I was, but I was raised very secular. I think uh, my mom since since I left uh, home has kind of gone back and become more Catholic uh, in her in her life now. But at the time, really, I mean, I had no idea. I think we went to church maybe once a year if Grandma was visiting on Easter. We would go to church, but you That's know, right. it was it was not something that I was raised with. Uh, however, you know, I I kind of. I feel like I discovered that I was spiritual kind of at the same time I discovered I was queer. It was like I had to come out to myself as spiritual or religious. Uh, and it was about the same time. And weirdly, too, growing up in Indiana in the 90s, I it, those those two things were not presented to me as things that went well together. So I had to sort of struggle with that. You know, when I was in uh, in high school, I would, you know, go to like the Wiccan shops and like, you know, find like a spiritual outlet through like uh, like whatever, like the silly. I mean, witchcraft and Wicca is not silly, but like the the access that I had to it was was kind of silly. Right. Um, and and so I, I kind of found my own ways to be spiritual. And then when I was in college, I thought I was going to go and major in theater. But then I discovered religious studies and I actually switched and majored in religious studies. So weirdly, like theater and religion have always sort of been intertwined to me because when I was in high school, I feel like in a lot of ways, my spiritual community was theater uh, in, in addition to, you know, trying to sort of piece together like spiritual traditions or whatever from whatever access that I had. Uh, I, I feel like 
I feel like there was almost like a a community or a a spiritual community or a chaplaincy uh, happening in my theater community. And then after college, after I majored in religious studies, uh, I, I maintained that sense of spirituality, but I really went more into an art direction, I guess. And for, you know, over a decade, I, I created theater and, and wrote and performed poetry and things like that. Uh, and then I thought in my mid thirties, I thought, oh, I'm going to go back and be a minister now, uh, cause I'm kind of done with theater, but it turns out I wasn't. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, I ended up writing this musical as my, my thesis project. So I'm just, I've just been trying to come to terms with how these two things overlap. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it, spirituality was something that sort of came up in me and I had to follow and I, I continue to have to follow it as I continue to seem to have to follow art and theater. I think that's a common thread with within queer youth, especially who are involved in the arts, uh, specifically theater. Like I know I definitely relate to that. The idea of it, it becomes your church and, and you do yeah. have a uh, communion in that, in that sense. And, and you're vulnerable. You're giving yourself, uh, in a way that, um, is only specific to uh, theater and art. And I, I think that is um, definitely something very, very spiritual. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. But how did you, um, how did you exactly begin to identify as queer? How, how did that even come up in your life? Well, I saw the movie The Fifth Element when I was 14. Yes, you <laughs> did. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, We all know where this is going. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I mean, okay. So I definitely had queer feelings before then. Like, I I think like this is weird too, because I think queerness actually, for me, queerness, you know, expands is so much more expansive than just sexuality or even gender. Um, you know, but for me, my first realization and I, the the conversation, at least in the nineties around queerness was very focused on, on sexuality specifically. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's still a big part of it. Um, and so I felt those feelings for, uh, you know, women or people who presented identified as women when, uh, even younger than that, but I didn't really understand what was happening, I guess, uh, you know, how it is when you're little. <laughs> um, but then when I was 14 and I had more of language for it and, I, I, I just remember thinking like watching Mila Jovovich in the fifth element and being like, I'm bisexual. Okay. All right. Good to know. All right. <laughs> like, yep. like as, as silly as that sounds, I mean, I think a lot of us have, have experiences like that, but oh, that was totally. when I could really, you know, put a name to it. And I didn't have language like queer or gender fluid or anything like that, uh, at that time. But uh, that was when I sort of accepted that I was attracted to more than one gender. Well, Extending from that time period, going through your um, exploration with all things Wiccan and getting into (laughs) college, having the divide, I have felt it in my life. I know a lot of other people do, too, between um, the 
your identity as uh, an LGBTQ plus person and then main world religions. There is a social divide for sure. And especially in uh, our country, the U.S., there is a a major divide that even goes into politics. So, um, yeah, I know it's very there. So how then in college when you did transfer, what was the what was did you have a moment? Did you have like a okay, I'm going to do this because X, Y, and Z. Like, what was the reasoning for switching? It really was just that it moved me. And uh, the way I narrativized it to myself was, you know, before I was majoring in theater and literature, uh, English, whatever you call that degree. And (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I don't don't remember. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I, you know, when I discovered religious studies, it was also about the same time that I was starting to read uh, things like uh, The Sandman by Neil Gaiman and really starting to think about mythology and, and all of that stuff. And and it seemed to me that the th- my, my favorite parts of theater, of art, of literature were trying to get at a human truth. And I figured if I really wanted to get at that, at that root of human experience or how humans make meaning even, like not even whatever truth is, but how humans make meaning, I would get there a lot more directly if I studied religion itself. So that was kind of why I decided to switch over and go in that direction at that time. Well, and coming from the arts, I'm sure this is why you kind of came at it with this perspective, but um You've talked about how how you see the Hebrew and Christian Bible resembling a form of fan fiction, which I (laughs) absolutely love. I think it's a really fun and different way to look at those books. Um, But would you describe how you view the Hebrew and Christian Bible and how you came to a place to compare it to fan fiction? That's a great question. I I think it's fan fiction all the way down, but I, I mean that with the utmost respect and reverence and, and care, because I think that fan fiction in many ways is an incredibly pure and passionate form of art in which usually a group that is outside of the mainstream, not always, you know, but, but usually a, a group that doesn't feel represented by a beloved shared narrative appropriates that narrative and changes it to reflect their experience and to be meaningful for them. So, you know, I came from in in my 20s and early 30s, I became very involved in a lot of fandoms. I'm a huge nerd. (laughs) And when I learned for the first time about the Bible and how it was written, when I went to Harvard Divinity School, I saw a lot of similarities there. You know, I mean, the the text of the Bible, as far as scholars think, was written, uh, the Hebrew Bible was written over hundreds or maybe even a thousand years before it was finally stitched together. Um, and, you know, a lot of this, there's a lot of doubling of the stories and things like that, and a lot of sort of rewriting and retconning that happens. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I'm recognizing all of these things that happen in fandom and happen in sort of like these multi-authored common, uh, or I'm sorry, multi-authored current uh, art forms such as comic books and things like that. And it just really helped me relate to the people who were who were writing and uh, redacting the book. And then also with, uh, with the 
Christian Bible with the New Testament or Bible two, as I call it. <laughs> um, you know, the Gospels are really good fan fiction of the Hebrew Bible. There's so many inside references and jokes, and they take things that happen that everybody knows, like in the community in the Hebrew Bible and flip them and make new meaning out of them. And that's mm -hmm. what fan fiction at its best does. And also, I mean, it's great that there's so many, you know, apocryphal Gospels floating out there that didn't make it into the what I call the zine. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I, I love that. I call the new. So like, as far as like, I can I conceive of the New Testament as a zine that the Romans put together of their favorite fan fictions. And they like printed out a bunch of like entries from Paul's blog and stuff. And then they went to Kinko's and they stapled it together. And that's the new Testament, but there's lots yeah. of, yeah. <laughs> and there's, there's lots of apocryphal gospels that didn't make it in there. And some of them, uh, uh, some of them are like really fun. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I actually, uh, I, didn't really read any of them until college, my freshman year. And yeah, they're so fun. I was like, give these an honorable mention at least. Come on. Right. Have you read the one where it's like the Mary, Mary's like childhood story? This vaguely rings a bell, but nothing like explicit is coming to me. So give it to me. Well, my fa well, it's long, right? And it tells the story of Mary being born, and it's very much modeled off of the the Hannah and Samuel story at the beginning of Book of Samuel, because like gotcha. her mom's name is like Anna, so it's like really subtle, and she's like praying to God for a baby. But so anyway, Mary grows up, and there's all sorts of fun, like from a woman's perspective, things in there that you don't generally see um, as much in in the New Testament or the Hebrew Bible. But I wonder why that was taken out. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but How then interesting. my favorite part of it is in the birth narrative or in the birth story when they're in, they're in a cave in this one when Mary's giving birth and Joseph's like, I don't know what the fuck to do. And Mary's like, go to town and get a midwife. And so Joseph goes into town, gets a midwife who is named Salome, which is interesting because I don't think it's supposed to be the same Salome who uh, who like asked for John the Baptist's head on a plate. But her name is Salome. I mean, they they really only had like five names in the New yeah. Testament time anyway. So <laughs> but um, but so Salome comes and, you know, Joseph's like, hey, deliver this baby. And Salome's like, whoa, how can you be a virgin and have a baby? And Mary's like, just deliver my baby. OK. And so Salome delivers this baby. And then she goes and tells her friend, like, you'll never believe what I just did. I just delivered this baby to a virgin. And her friend is like, bullshit, show me. <laughs> and so, <laughs> right. And so they go back to the cave. And so I don't know how even like how after she just gives, apparently this woman, Salome's friend thinks that she can like look in her vagina and see a, a hymen or something because she wants like proof that this woman's a virgin or whatever. Uh, but I mean, she just gave birth. So I don't know how that's going to work anyway, but it doesn't matter. The point is <laughs> Salome's friend is like, hey, I need to check and see if you're a virgin. And she sticks her hand into Mary's vagina and her vagina burns her hand off because she doubted. And I'm like, that Whoa. is the most hardcore thing ever. Like Mary has a holy flaming vagina in this version that will burn you if you doubt her. Oh my God. That may, okay. You know that movie Teeth? 
I haven't seen it. <laughs> oh my, classic, a classic. Um, okay, everyone who doesn't know, Teeth is about a female who has a vagina with teeth in it. Anyway, that makes that seem so tame. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's the. In- it's called the Infancy Gospel of Philip, I think, either Philip or Peter, I think. But you can I mean, you can read it online. It's translated all over the place. What yeah. a badass view of Mary. I know. It's like my favorite. That's this is my headcanon, Mary. It will now be mine. <laughs> <laughs> now it is in my head. Um, well, you took this viewpoint of looking at the Bible more from a fan fiction perspective and created your musical called Beloved King, uh, where you look at the story of King David from a queer interpretation. We get gay love, we get half naked bodies, we get people belting their faces off. And I know prior to COVID, that was my Saturday night. So it is. Oh, oh, it hurts. (laughs) Um, And now my undergraduate degree was in musical theater. And I am obviously obsessed with religion and spirituality. So awesome. I totally get this connection, <laughs> how, how they can collide. Um, but specifically for you, when you did get to Harvard, how did theater hit you in the face again? Like what, what made you think, I'm going to write, I'm going to write a fucking biblical musical at Harvard. Like what was that? <laughs> I mean, it really just, it really just did hit me the way you describe. I, I kind of I knew that I would have to do a thesis project uh, toward the end of my time there. Um, like I said, I had I had done theater before. I had written and produced a musical before, uh, but I had got I had felt very burned out uh, around the time when I was applying to Harvard. So I was like, eh, I don't know if I can do that in, in at, to the same degree that I was doing it before. Uh, and so I was thinking of projects that I could do for my thesis. And I was thinking, oh, maybe I could write like a book of essays or like a novel or something because uh, I, I wanted to try to do a creative thesis. Uh, when I found out I loved the Bible, which I did not know before my first year, I was like, oh, what if I did like a Bible fan fiction thing? So that was starting to churn in my head. Uh, and then my the year between my first first and second year when I was learning biblical Hebrew, I read this book called Jacob's Wound uh, by Theodore Jennings, uh, which is a lot of of the homoeroticism in the Hebrew Bible. And he goes into his own theories about like the the what he calls a love triangle between David and Saul and Jonathan. I don't love love triangles, but I guess you know, but it's interesting and the kids like them. Right. But like, <laughs> um, no, I don't know. We stand twilight. We, yeah, we love yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm way too like polyamorous for, for like love triangles, but, uh, I did take a lot from this book. Uh, and, and it just sort of hit me one day as I was reading it, as I was learning biblical Hebrew, I loved the book of Samuel. I loved how freaking queer, David is, uh, especially young David and how sexual he is and how freaking gay he and Jonathan are. <laughs> and <laughs> I, it like hit me one day and I was like, let's, it, it was just like, I, this needs to be a musical. How is this not a musical? This needs to be a musical. And I was like, I could write a musical on this. I could do that. And I just did it. 
you know, I, I, I mean, I not just did it. I, I ended up, you know, really diving deep into the Hebrew, into the Hebrew Bible and, um, you know, sort of organizing my schedule over the next two years to facilitate and support this. I took a queer theology class, uh, with Mark Jordan, uh, all of, all of these things to sort of support this work. And, uh, and I did it and we were supposed to have the first workshop performance, uh, March 12th and 13th. That <laughs> did not happen because <laughs> that was not, yeah, that was, it was the same day that Broadway shut down, which I thought was pretty, pretty, uh, poetically sad, uh, just Thank in you, universe. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But uh, fortunately, we were able to film the final dress rehearsal with no audience. So I, I do have a rec- record of it. Uh, and I, I received a grant this year to continue to develop it, which is great. Uh, I think probably what what I want to do is uh, create during this year, create like a concept album of the song. So it'll be easier and people can hear it and, and all of that. I love that. That's awesome. In my research as a teenager, trying to like (laughs) figure out if homosexuality was a sin or not, which was just so fun to do. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's so great. Um, I stumbled upon, though, an article interpreting King David's story um, with Jonathan as a gay love story. And I remember as a young teenager being like so excited about it because... What I was taught as of that point was this like brotherly bond, this bromance between David and Jonathan. And um, of course, the VeggieTale classic interpretation <laughs> with rubber duckies. Did you watch VeggieTales as a kid? No, I didn't. I was not Christian enough to watch VeggieTales. <laughs> oh, my God. OK, Um I think you would enjoy it just because you're so attached to the story. Please yeah. go and watch yeah, this okay. sometime. OK. Oh. Anyway, it's it's great. It's great art. Um, anyway, but um, so when I did read the scripture after hearing that interpretation, though, I was like, oh, shit, it is gay. This is and, so gay. The Hebrew is even gayer. Well, and it made me think like <laughs> that kind of was the the point where I was like, how gay is it? Because <laughs> and then I did start to I started to look and then, yeah, there's so much. And it made me think like. Okay, so, you know, the word homosexual was added in the Christian Bible in the 1940s. And I'm like, why did it why didn't those bigoted people like do more to cancel out all this gay erotica that's in there? Because it is throughout. Yeah. Anyway, it's so fascinating (laughs) to me. Um, there's this book, uh, I, I found it when I was doing research for the show, but it was a novel written because I mean, Every I feel like every 10 years, somebody writes an article like, oh, my God, David and Jonathan might have been lovers. And people are like, oh, my God, really? And then everyone knew. And then like 10 years later, somebody else writes this. But um, but there's this book from the 1940s called David the King. And the author's name is escaping me. But uh, it's it's kind of cool how it's organized because it's basically organized by David's two loves, two main loves. And so the first half is all about Jonathan and the second half is all about Bathsheba. And 
it's so I mean, it's very mid 20th century, like the love that shall not speak its name. But it's also like so like fanfic, like so like eyes wide and watering, like the anime senpai thing. Like it's so homoerotic. Yes. Um, and it was really satisfying, even though it does have that sort of 20th century like, oh, but we mustn't. But we you know what I mean? But we want to. But we mustn't. And I'm like. That's so it's so funny because there's none of that in the actual Bible and the Bible. They're just like, fucking, yeah, like, <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, I love you. I love you, too. And like Saul's mad about it, but he's just mad because of other reasons, you know. What was the book called again? Um, It's called David the King. OK, I'm totally going to look this up. Afterward. Yeah, it came out in 1945. And I feel bad that I don't remember the author's name, but I'm really bad at remembering author's names. No, that's totally fine. I'll, I'll find it and I'll put it in the show notes, everyone, if you're interested. Anyway, um, something that maybe even more interesting to me than the queer aspect and something that I kind of forgot about until your musical was the aspect of and the concept, I guess, of God abandoning someone. Um, or not yeah. speaking to someone and, and doing things to actually spite someone, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I think is really fascinating to consider. Yeah. And, um, and the idea of, of needing to ask a God or entity for forgiveness. And then that entity, um, has the option to either be like, yeah, we're cool or bitch, I do hold grudges and let me teach you a lesson. Um, yeah. and I, I think that's very, very fascinating. And then after um, watching the musical, I actually went back and read the scripture and it is all over the place. And I was like, how did I even forget this aspect of the story? Um, but I think it's really interesting. Yeah, it, it is really interesting. And it's really interesting to look at. And you're supposed to very much read Saul's story alongside David. And, and in some ways they're supposed to be similar. And in some ways they're supposed to be very much contrasting. Mm -hmm. But it's so interesting because they're both chosen and in, in some ways, they're both chosen as the first king of Israel. Like in some ways, like David is the replacement for Saul. And they're both sort of thought of as the first king. Uh, but, you know, God abandons Saul and he doesn't come back. However, I'm almost I, I always wonder with Saul, like if I feel like Saul's biggest sin, if you want to use that language, is that he holds on to power when it's taken away from him. And that's when God starts to like put the evil spirit on him and all this stuff. Uh, and so that part I think is, is interesting as far as Saul's concerned. But then with David, he specifically says like, I'm going to love you forever and you're my, my chosen. And even when you fuck up, I am not going to take my love away from you the way I did from Saul. And so I think that's interesting. I think that's the first promise in the Bible of unconditional love. But however, you know, David feels abandoned all the time, like in the book, even in the narrative in Samuel when he's exiled, uh, you know, and then, uh, of course, traditionally, he's seen as the author of the Psalms and like half the Psalms are like, where are you, God? Why have you left me? And all of that stuff. Uh, so, so yeah, that, that, that's a huge theme in, in the um, story of David and the story uh, of Saul as well. The topic of favoritism too is very fascinating, mm -hmm. especially like hearing you talk about it right then. I was like, like how awful to be someone um, 
and to know someone who God is like, yeah, they're my favorite, you know, like, <laughs> like that's kind of like mess with you a little bit. And two, it kind of like, um, I feel like conflicts with our modern day interpretation of God who like mm-hmm. is supposed to love everyone and, right. um, and having favorites doesn't necessarily mean you don't love everyone. Like a parent might have a favorite child. Doesn't mean they yeah. don't love their other children, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's a very, very fascinating concept. And to look at it too, kind of like what you're saying is like, okay, God said this to Saul, possibly to then like, does he really mean it to David? Like, right. will he forever love him? Um, it's all just <laughs> I bet very you say that to all the girls. Exactly. Like, That's yes. kind of what it feels like. It's like, yeah. all, once a cheater, always <laughs> a cheater, you know, like, we, <laughs> um, Anyway, just very fascinating. That's something that I really uh, took from took from the musical that I was not expecting to take from the musical. Um, cool. But it was, um, yeah, it was very interesting. It, it kind of gave me new perspective to look at it. So thank you for that. Yay! I'm glad. Yeah, there's this idea of being about of being chosen or or uh, the favorite or whatever, um, and that's really been used in some pretty atrocious ways uh, mm-hmm. throughout you know, even relatively recent history. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that, that created the idea of whiteness and white supremacy and, and colonialism, for instance. So I think it's important to really look at the origins of that idea, um, and what, what it really means. Cause in the Bible, it's like, yeah, there's a chosen one or whatever, but that doesn't mean he's better than anybody else. Like he can still totally fuck up and do terrible things and it's still bad. Well, and in that way too, you could argue maybe that we're all chosen for different things. Um, I think so. Yeah. So David got chosen for that specific job, but that doesn't mean mm-hmm. <laughs> other yeah. people weren't chosen for other jobs. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, totally. Now, obviously being at Harvard, you had access to a ton of resources. Is there something you learned while studying there that maybe surprised you? Um, well, I already told the Mary's flaming vagina story. You know what? Actually, yeah, I don't know if anything (laughs) would really top that. that. (laughs) Maybe that's it. Um, You know, I mean, yeah, but but that's also part of the sort of eye opening um, or just sort of like mind expanding uh, learning about how the Bible was written that that really inspired me too. you know. Um, so that was the surprising thing to me. And I think most people don't have any idea where this book comes from, <laughs> you know, isn't that scary? Yeah. It's so weird. It you know? freaks me out a little bit. Yeah. It super freaks me out. And I think we, the United States specifically, there has become such a, an idea that science and religion are polar opposites of one another. And I don't really know where that came from because, you know, this is not a problem in a lot of other religions um, or even in a lot of other places. Uh, But for some reason in America, we think that religious people are not scientific. And that leads to this idea that, you know, what what a religion is for is for sort of magical thinking creating. And I mean, that I think is is we're seeing that with like the coronavirus and people thinking they can just like encant reality into existence, you know, if they, you know, if they're religious or whatever, or if they, you know, believe in such and such. And, um, and I think that, that 
it, it is very unfortunate, both for scientific people and religious people. Uh, and I think it needs to change. And I think part of that is, you know, learning where this book comes from. Oh, totally. I mean, it's just like, I, I am a Christian and I love God with all my might and I'm willing to fight yada, yada, yada. But I will not give time to the history of this universe that they created. Um, I will right. not give time to educate myself on the other people they created. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's a very um, odd concept to me because I feel like if one were to want to worship an entity that they, that would be part of the worship is learning about them. (laughs) Right, right. Well, and that's, that's the thing is I think, I think a lot of it comes down to people, you know, I think for me, what religion does is it, it helps us to make meaning out of the mystery uh, Mm -hmm. or, you know, or just meaning out of life, but so much of life is a mystery. Uh, And I, I feel like part of this is almost like getting that that mystery high, but really cheaply because you're simply remaining ignorant, (laughs) you know, but why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you learn all you can about the world as it is? And I promise you, there will still be mystery there to keep you up at night, you know? (laughs) Oh, there's so much we don't know. Right. Right. Um, well let everyone know where they can find you and keep up with your artistic endeavors and your religious and spiritual endeavors. Thank you so much, Tyler. I, uh, so I, I do occasionally, I haven't done this in a while because summer and people have been outside and it's depressing and everyone's sick of zoom, but I have been doing, uh, some, some zoom showing some watch parties of the dress rehearsal and I might do one or two more in the fall since it probably will be at least a year, I would say before, before beloved King can go on a stage. And like I said, I am hoping to release uh, an album of the songs before then, but you know, you you want to see it on stage. So uh, if you are interested in that, you can go to belovedkingmusical.com. Uh, you could also go to gaybiblemusical.com. It goes to the same place. There's a form you can fill out to keep in touch. You can also find beloved King on Facebook, uh, just Facebook slash beloved King musical. Uh, on Instagram, Instagram slash Beloved King Musical. And I am on Twitter and Instagram as Jade Sylvan, J-A-D-E-S-Y-L-V-A-N. Jade, thank you so much for chatting with me. I thank you. love your concepts and I love what you're doing. So keep it up. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this and I really uh, enjoyed this conversation. So thank you so much for having me. After hearing of Jonathan's death, David says in 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 26, Greatly beloved were you to me. Your love to me was wonderful, passing the love of women. It was great talking with Jade. This was the epitome of a queer religious spiritual discussion, am I right? And here are my main takeaways. Number one. The Hebrew and Christian Bibles are kind of fan fiction. I think that's actually a really cool way to look at these books, showing reverence while also being able to objectively analyze them. Number two, it's great to see someone like Jade who has combined their spiritual journey with their artistic journey. 
We should encourage spirituality to flow with us in all that we do. It has the ability to enhance every aspect of our lives. Number three, if you identify yourself as part of a religion, then it's important to learn about that religion. Know the history and do not just blindly trust translations. If you are serious about devoting your life to something, make sure you know what you're devoting it to. Number four, there is a ton of gay shit in the Hebrew and Christian Bibles. And I'll expand more on this at some point, but it's definitely something you might be interested in investigating yourself. A little late night erotica with the Bible, anyone? Number five, flaming vaginas. I have posted links in the show notes for Jade and their musical, Beloved King. Please check those out. And definitely show this podcast some love by following, subscribing, and leaving a review. I will appreciate it greatly. And continue to reach out to me. Let me know what you thought of these topics or if there's anything you would like to hear discussed. You can reach me at the email in the show notes or DM me on social media at Have a Blessed Gay on all the platforms. Now, because this content is heavy at times, you might not always be able to laugh it off. And if you are struggling and having a hard time, I will always post helplines in the show notes. So please check them out if you need to. Just remember this. You are special. You are purposeful. And you are fucking beautiful. Have a blessed day, y'all.